Good morning. How are you this morning? Can we make some noise for the Lord in the house? Praise God. Praise God. I know some of you are, that is profane. Making shout in the house of the Lord. But I, I, I beg you for forgiveness here. But I think the Lord is uh, so gracious to us. This is the least that we can give him back. Uh, one of the things that excites me every time I stand in the presence of the Lord is um, the story of David when they were uh, returning the Ark of the Covenant back in its place. Uh, he was just ahead of the group, dancing, in, almost naked. And his wife was uh, uh, looking through the window and uh, observing what her husband, the king, was doing out there in the midst of people. And the Bible said that she despised him in her heart. And she said, man, how can a king do this? This is beneath you. So the Bible says that David, after doing all the work and distributing the shares of people, bread, and things, uh, he returned to bless his house, and he finds his wife despising him because of what, how he behaved in the presence of the ark of God. So he answered her in a certain way. This, this is really what warms my heart all the time. He says that, uh, I know the God who I am worshiping, and it's the same God who took the kingdom from your father, come on, and gave it to me. Okay? You lived in the house that has no spirit. You lived in the house. You were brought up in a house that had no presence of the Lord. I don't judge you for how you behave. But I was brought up with hallelujah. Come on. He says, my experience is different. I was out there with the sheep, and the presence of the Lord would come, and we go crazy where nobody is seeing us. So that's where I grew up. But even more, beloved, pay attention to what the Scripture says. Because of how she communicated to David, the Bible said, God withheld her from having babies. There was a curse on her womb. You know what God was saying? God was saying that there is enough one of such a person in the world that is uh, ridiculing my servants that can worship. He says that you are the only one and it remains that way. You will never have children such as you. Come on, church, hallelujah. So it's really important when we are entering into the presence of the Lord how, how we behave. For him, beloved, it is the least thing I can do. He's done so much for me that I can't worship him like this. That is why I, I really hope that your eyes will be open to see and you experience the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings in his presence. That this church will be released from any bondage that will keep us, and I know he will get us to that point for his own glory. That will be, will be so crazy in the house of the Lord that he only gets the glory. In, we don't care how others are looking and how they're viewing us. Come on, church, hallelujah. Come on, praise God. So this is the journey that we are on. We are creating an, a, an environment, an atmosphere where the work of God can, can take place. Remember in the past uh, a, few, a few weeks, we talked about that God is promising his people just as the time that I have taken you, taken you out of Egypt, just like that time, I will start doing miracles in your midst. How many believe that? Come on, give me a wave. How many really do believe that in our time, God can do miracles? 
Praise God. I am really happy to be in the company of people who believe that miracles can happen. Praise God. Okay, God is saying that you have to create a certain environment for that to happen. It's an environment of grace, environment of salvation by grace. And then you continue on. And then we talked about the doors of salvation. You remember? And that leads us into the well of salvation. So this is how God works with, with uh, his church, his body, and, and the people that he works with, is that he creates an environment. He allows them step by step to get into the place where they will start adorning themselves with all that God ha has, with none of what they can bring to the table. Would you like to be in that place? People look at you and you have all of God in none of you? How, how, how magnificent would that be in the church if we had all of God and none of us? This may be a bad news to some of the people because they want to show off who they are. That's a bad news for her. But God is not impressed by who we are. So for the glory of his grace, Ephesians chapter 1, he does everything for the glory of his grace. And remember, I just want to remind you this before we enter into this. And we define grace. There is misunderstanding, I think, in the body of Christ about grace because grace has, uh, uh, has been deemed as the gift of God. The free gift of God is a theological definition of grace. But I really would like to, to take a different angle with that. And Remember, I gave you the definition, my definition. You're welcome to use it or not use it. But my definition is uh, grace is a canvas on which the realities of God can be projected. It's not only a gift. Every movement of the divine is projected on the canvas of grace. You don't have the canvas to catch it. You don't have the reality of God in that area. This is very important to understand. In our, in our marriage, when the canvas of grace is not there, we won't see the reality of God. In our church, it's the same thing. If we didn't have the screen, this background was not conducive for the letters to be projected on, we wouldn't see anything. So grace, the environment, is a place where God can project his realities without any ambiguity. People will look at it and know for sure that it was God. That's what we're trying to do. So remember that you know, we talked about the first uh, a door of grace, and then we talked about two doors. How many remember? How many remember? Give me, okay, don't leave me hanging here. Remember last week we talked about the, the smaller door is the discriminating power of the Holy Spirit. You remember that? There needs to be a power, a system. Where is my... I specifically asked for the leaders to... Didn't I? How many were here when I asked that? Do, do you think they failed me or not? But you do remember what I'm talking about. Okay, when, you, when you're wearing that, there is that discriminating power that you trust in. You're saying that however contaminants are, are surrounding me in the, in the atmosphere, I am protected because of what I'm wearing. So God is not so much interested in changing the entire world. Let me stop here and talk to a lot of people. I'm, I'm getting on a limbs here, but I, I, I like doing that. Amen. In a lot of political situations, 
We tend to think that God is going to change the entire world so it becomes easier for the church. How many believe that? Don't worry, just... God is not so much interested about changing the entire world. God is so much interested about creating an environment within the world. He could have taken out the entire demonic system, satanic system, to where this would become heaven. But he didn't. A lot of people are questioning that. Why? If you are so powerful, do something to, this, to, to the enemy. De- eradicate Satan. Let's have a fun time, good time down here. But what God is doing is that he is creating an environment within that toxic environment. Come on, church. So as soon as you step out of there, you know that you are stepping out into danger zone. That's why you're bringing your foot back and say, uh-uh, no. No. So if, if we're teaching our people that God is changing everything, that's why we're treading everywhere without any cautious. Come on, church. We're walking into the world. We're walking everywhere thinking that it is, it is what's the word I'm looking for? It is, it is well. It is receiving me. But that's not true. You are only prospering within your environment. Come on. That's why when you come to church, the Lord will pull you back from wherever you wandered. Bring you back into that bubble of grace, environment of grace, injecting you with divine power. As you walk out, you know where you're going and how you are managing your life. Praise God. Praise God. This is the victory that the world is hungry about. The world is not interested about our creed. They're not interested about our denominations. They're not interested about what we can do, muscle. What they are interested in seeing is that how you can manage living in toxic environment with your bubbles on in overcoming in life. When they see that, that's when they're driving to the same God that we worship. In Africa, where I'm from, in a church like this, thousands and thousands of people get saved. You know why? They see the environment that the church has created for Christians to live in. There's a difference. Muslims are coming into the kingdom because they're saying that your God is alive. Hallelujah. I think the same God lives in America, the same God lives in the church that can do the same desire in the life of others to take us in. How do we do that? We're entering into the second point today, the second door. Come on, say second. We're entering next week when I ask you, don't. All right, register register it in there, okay? We're entering into a smaller door again, too. From the big door, we branched out. And we're entering into these little two doors. And then beyond that, next week we'll start wearing these adornments of grace from the well. Now we, we start adorning ourselves. But I want you to take you through that another door, door today. The discriminating power of the word of God. Come on, come on say it with me. The discriminating power of the word of God. With the Spirit of God, we functioned, and then it, it happens through the gift of discernment. It happens through rebuking the demonic spirits in order to create that environment. Now we're dealing with the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 4. 
the discriminating power of the word of God. You there? Okay, let's read it together. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as division of soul and spirit. Stop there. We want to repeat the dividing, where, where the word of God is dividing. What and what? Soul and the spirit. Let's continue. Of both joints and... Okay, stop and we, we do that. Joints and... Okay. And able to judge. How impressive is that verse? The word of God has the power to divide. The word of God has power to divide. In fact, based on this understanding, the Apostle Paul says a shocking thing to the Corinthian church. He says that there needs to be division among you. Who said that? The Apostle Paul. He says that there needs to be division among you. How could a, uh, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ advocates for division in the church? How? We always talk about unity. We always talk about we need to come together. But the apostle said that because of the dividing power of the word of God, there needs to be a group of people that are approved by the word, and there needs to be a group of people that are disapproved by the word. Come on. It gets quieter in the church. So he says the purpose is not to get people together. The purpose of the pulpit, the purpose of the word of God is to unleash the dividing power of the word of God. By the way, you're seeking a pastor. It is my prayer that the Lord will send you a pastor who can unleash the power, the dividing power of the word of God. It is not about relational things. It's not about people pleasing. It's not about a position that we are learning to work with people. This position is to learn to will the word of God. It is the word of God that does the work. It is not me convincing you or you liking my way of doing things. The approval in the body of Christ comes from the dividing power of the word of God. And that power is released towards areas that no human minds can divide. Who can divide between soul and spirit? No doctrine can reach there. So what, what God is saying is that, okay, remember last week what we said. When, when humans are here dealing with God... The spirits are banking on the depravity of the human, human mind. What Satan's banking on is me being attracted toward my fallen nature. That's how he fights against God. God on this side is banking on my saved spirit. He is saying that you love me. I saved you. Through grace you are connected to me. Instead of saying that your body is still here. So last week, the discriminating power of the Spirit worked on Satan. You remember that? Worked on the demonic spirits from convincing me and using me. Now we are coming even closer. What God is saying that now that the enemy is away from you, you are on a neutral base. God is saying that I will send my word in dividing you. Come on. Come on, church. Okay? It's not enough that now the evil spirit is gone. It's not enough that Satan is far from you. Even if you are left to yourself, you cannot do my work. So I need to get in and divide inside you. 
I'm going to have three points today as we are dealing with this text right here. The first one is about division. Separation does not mean segregation. Okay, this part is sleeping, I think. Uh, you guys are doing really well all the time. That's why I'm spending my time over there. <laughs> Separation does not mean what? Segregation. In the older doctrine, heresies came from understanding of this text. The heresy says that if my spirit is what God is desirous, and he separates between my spirit and my flesh, that means that in my flesh I can do all kind of sin and still be accepted to God in my spirit. How many have heard that? It, it, it's a dangerous heresy. So what that allows is that I can live whichever way I want to live in the world, as long as in my spirit I am seeking God. That's, that's lies from the pit of hell. So, why, why is God dividing then? That's why we need to understand, in God's eyes, separation does not mean segregation. When he separates the spirit for himself, he doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that he doesn't like the, the body. Or he's trying to avoid to deal with the body. That's, that's not why God is separating things. In fact, let me take you in, in creation. Uh, when God created things, the first thing uh, created was what? Come on, Sunday school. Light? Light. Okay. What did he say? Okay. From then... Before he spoke the second time, what was the process that God started? Separating things. Do you remember that? He created light, then he said uh, he separated darkness from light. You see? Then water from the land. The work of God, the second work of God is separating things. God likes things in a neat form. What does Satan do? He merges things. Okay, uh, again, I'm going to walk on the limb here, but I really like when I am with God, the limb will carry me all the time. The binary form of gender. God created a man and a woman. What does Satan do? Satan says he comes up with a doctrine there is no binary left or right. Okay? It's a range, spectrum of genders. Do you see that? The enemy is not refuting what God created. The enemy is always working in Conflating things. He gets you in, in a confusion zone. What it, which, which one is right? It is so close together. God is always in, 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 in helping his people separate things. Left, right. Light, darkness. Come on. I rebuke the spirit of confusion. I rebuke the spirit of confusion. The mindset God is trying to create is this clear. You know what is what? In the body of Christ. So when he sends the word, it is not for the purpose of segregating the flesh. Okay? I want you to understand that. I don't want you to be sucked into... Um, we pastors, we fail to deal with the word of God in the right way, and we create this fear of certain texts. And instead of reading the dividing power of God and unleashing it, now all of a sudden we're bound in and say, I don't know how it works. 
It's a mystery. So really, God has given us an opportunity to, to dive in and eat the fat of the Word of God so you can get fat. Come on, church. Isaiah 10, 29 says that because of the fatness on you, you shall break the bondages. Because of the fatness, the word anointing came from the Hebrew word fat. I think it's the Westerners that hate fatness and change it to anointing. What God is saying is that I will feed you so much you get so fat spiritually that no enemy can put any shackle around you. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on. So we're eating. So I don't want to go into, into individual texts, but uh, in uh, uh, Romans 8, there's a lot of this description. For example, 6 to 8. For the outlook of the flesh is death. But the outlook of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the outlook of the flesh is hostile to God. What is it? Come on, talk to me, please. Look. In fact, it goes down to the day. It cannot please God. Why, why do we try? Why do we try? God says that there needs to be separation. Because you will never be able to do it. In unison, bring any, anything of worth to me. I need to separate it. Hallelujah. This is... Uh, I'm, I'm just going to give you a little bit of an overview in a story form and then come back uh, very sh uh, shortly to, to finish this. It's like a family, okay? I have two kids. My wife and I try to raise our kids in, in a... Oh, it came back all over... Hallelujah. Miracle. <laughs> so, we don't have perfect children. It may come across to you as a surprise, but <laughs> my kids are not perfect. So, there is disappointment in certain areas of their life. I, as a father, their mother, we have a high standard for them. But you start seeing things, especially when they're entering into teenage ages, okay? They're, they're, you see things. But then you're caught in, in between two dimensions here. As a, as a parent, you want to love them regardless. At the same time, you don't want to give license to the sin that you see. A few people have been there. Do you see the, the predicament? You want to embrace them. You want to shower them with love. But you, you don't want them to be mistaken to think of you as giving license to what they're doing. Okay? God is in the same way. This is why we're talking about the sphere of grace. Okay, now put yourself in the family of God. You're the child. You have two choices. One is to say that sin has been paid for, therefore I am free. Okay? Then the way you behave with God is that God knows that you're not, you're not okay with your family, with your wife, with your co-workers, but you are deceiving yourself by saying that I am free. In coming in the presence of God. God says that I don't want to push you back because of what I see in your life. But at the same time, I don't want you to be deceived to think that I am approving how you're dealing. Oh, come on, church. You see that? See, this is where grace comes in. Grace comes in from our part. It says that, Lord, I am not worthy to be called your son. The term prodigal. You remember that when he came back? I am so rotten. I am not worthy to be called your son. You are acknowledging your sin. At the very same breath, because you are in the bubble of grace, you come back and say, I am worthy to be your son. 
Do you see that confusion? That's the dichotomy that we humans are caught in. So God can still deal with the sin that we commit, but he still, on the other hand, reaches over to us through the grace of uh, his, his, uh, uh, his mercy that we are coming back to God and say, I embrace you however unworthy I am. You are my dad. Come on, church. That's the mindset of grace. So a lot of people, when they're convicted, enter into this environment of saying, God does not love me. So they push away the convicting power of the word of God. So from the pulpit, we start giving them less than honest presentation of the word of God. We're afraid the congregation will run away. Do you see that? Then you start blaming the pastor. The pastor is not really delivering the word of God. You see how the vicious cycle we enter into? So when we're creating the environment of grace, I will be at liberty to send whatever God put on my heart your way. He, the word convicts you. You start dealing with these two things. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm, I thank you that you're my father. Come on, church. That's the, the power of the grace of God. It allows God to function as God. It allows me to function as a fallen humanity, still have a relationship. Oh, man, that's good news. That's powerful. Let's go into the second point. That I, what's the goal of separation then? Under this, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a little bit of a, we're going a little bit deeper. It's going to hurt. Okay, help me by turning over to your neighbor and say, this is going to hurt. But remember, I gave you the band-aid for that hurt already. It's grace. When it hurts, you take it with one hand and use your left hands, please, back to God and say, thank you for hurting me. Can you say that? Yes, it's for my own good. Uh, I don't know how much time I got, but I got, I got to tell you this story, really. When I, when I grew up, I was terrible. And my parents were so, so strict. I got beaten by cable of uh, electric cables coiled. I, I know, child protective service, huh? <laughs> That's the very reason why I'm telling you this. There were days that I wanted to get out of the family, run away. I tried. I mean, I went two miles and then came back. But then when God started to work in my heart, the first thing that he saturated my heart with is thankfulness towards my father. I was so delighted that he was brave enough to beat me that way. Okay, I'm not giving you some, some philosophy here. I just want you to understand how grace works. Okay? My father, when beating me, he did it in a right heart for a good purpose. So I received the beating on my right hand. When I understood, gave him my love back with my left hand, say, Dad, thank you. It may become difficult for you guys to understand this. Your heavenly father starts disciplining you so that you can take the discipline and not run away, but be there, even get closer to God and say, thank you, God. Thank you for loving me enough in disciplining me. Come on, church. Come on. We're, we're getting deeper here. We're getting deeper here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I think this is an appropriate place to, to do this, but I will touch it up. You remember the figure of, uh, of uh, um, king, uh, the king uh, Nebuchadnezzar? The huge uh, statue. The description gets down to the feet and describe it in two ways. In the dream, he saw iron 
mixing with pottery. Okay, that's what he saw at the feet. And Daniel interpreting that to him, he says that it, it's a bad news, king. As much as iron mixed with, with, with clay, that's how your kingdom is going to be. There will be two different things. Okay, I'm going to take you to, to, to a spiritual translation of that, spiritual perspective of that. Both of those uh, things are coming from the earth. Clay and iron are coming from the earth. Okay, wave at me. One is processed through what? Fire. The other one is processed through water. You see that? It's the same way. What kind of gospel that we deliver to the church produces either iron Christians or clay Christians? If you're delivering a watered-down gospel, the word of God, to believers, they will become clays. If you have any clay in your, in your house, how do you care for clay? Carefully. Okay, that, that's the kind of Christian that you produce. Don't, don't touch me, I, I'm breakable. When the gospel gets a little bit down into the fiery part, then you're sanctifying believers into becoming iron. You see this? No complaint here. Okay, all right. We'll move on. I know I got, I got into it. Okay, the first, the first purpose of separation here, quickly, is to lay everything bare. In the scriptures, in Genesis, quickly, 2.25, the man and his wife were what? Naked, and they were not ashamed of each other. All right? That was the first creation. When Satan came in, and they sinned. When did, what did they discover? Come on, come on, stay with me, please. The nakedness. What did they do? Two things. They covered themselves and hid. You see that? When the word of God comes, there is nothing covered in his sight. Everything lays bare. Okay. He wants to take us back into the first creation environment where I see your nakedness, you see my nakedness, and we're not ashamed. When we start laughing at the sin of your brother, you remember Lot's son? Remember? He uncovered his father's and then they laughed. He went to his brothers, told them, and they said, ta 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 ha look, look, look. You see that? When you see the Lord uncovering the nakedness of your brother or sister, how do you react? How do you react? In the body of Christ, it's different. It's not like the media. Here, it is different. The children backed, walked backwards and put covering over their fathers and walked away. There was an opportunity for them to point their fingers and say, hallelujah, look at this. You see that? This is what is killing us. The Lord is getting us into that environment where he can take the covering off and you still be good with your brother and sister. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on, please. Please. I think this is one of the struggles that we're having in this church right here. God is uncovering things. God is bringing transition. But how we handle that tells him that if we're mature enough to go forward, or if we're going back into kindergarten again in the spirit realm, it's very important. It's really very important how we deal it. One is to uncover. Second, quickly, I'll run through this, to demonstrate the power and the right use of the word of God. Okay, if, you, if you're tired, please wave at me so I can, I, I, I can stop here. <laughs> Judges chapter 3, quickly, put it on for me, please. Judges 
3, 15 to 16. Let's read this together and you'll see. But when the son of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. And his name was Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. And the son of Israel sent tribute to him to Iglon, the king of Moab. Ehud made himself a cubit in length, and he bound it on his... This is, this is very, very revealing in how we need to deal with the Word of God, our relationship with the Word of God. Ehud is the root word ahad, one in Hebrew. Okay, it's about unity. It's about oneness. It's about wholeness. But then he made himself a sword. Okay, in the scriptures, you know the swords should be what? The word of God. Okay, we just read it in Hebrews chapter 4. So look at, look at what Ehud is doing. Ehud is describing how character is left-handed. Okay? Sir, can, can I bother you if you stand up? Make you Ehud, and I'll give you a sword. You're a left-handed man. Where would you put your, 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 your sword? Why would, why would you do that? You see that? The easiest way for a left-handed man to do is what? To tie it on his left thigh. It's quicker. Look at what he's doing. So God is telling us in this story, we have an option of dealing with the word of God. When the word of God is given to us, we can either tie it to the right place, deal with it as it was meant to be dealt with, and inconvenience myself because of the truth of the word, or bring the word of God to fit my ideas, my left-handedness, come on church, and tied to my right hand. He would have never overcome. This is the mystery of the word of God, which means that in the church, we have to give all power, all understanding to the word of God. When it, the word judges, he judges rightfully. The final decision of the body of Christ is what is in the word of God. So we got to wear it on the... Oh, come on, church, please. Come on. So this is what we are fostering in this going through that door, is to have the right understanding of the word of God. However much it hurts, if the word is revealing something in me, the word is right. Can you say Amen. That's the environment that we're creating. Third, fosters unity. I've talked about the, the iron and the clay. So the more we are getting into the depth of the word of God, into fire, then the more the Christian, the body becomes the same material, the same essence. Then instead of clay and iron coming together, it'll be iron or iron or clay or clay. Unity will be achieved. Come on. And my last point before I finish here is what is the consequence of being divided? Okay? Chart these down four quickly and then we'll move on. First consequence, your language will change. First consequence, your language will change. Okay? When God is dividing... Spirit, body. In Romans chapter 7, Paul identified himself with the spirit man and called that I. He never called the body I. You see that? It's a difference of language. It means that when God is separating, you are identifying yourself with the spirit man. Can I demonstrate something very quickly with this? Um, you two are perfect. Uh, okay, would, you, would you rise up, please? Please. 
I'm going to use one, one as flesh and one as spirit. I think you would want the spirit to be the women. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have any problem with that, would you? Okay, this is one person right here. Get close. So the word comes and separates this. This is the spirit. So she calls the identity of this unity is her now. It's the spirit. And God says that is in my word like a hammer, is in my word like a fire. So God is coming with a hammer in the church with the word of God is like a hammer. Okay? Come, to, come back together. Wants to hit. Now because they are together, it's going to hurt her. The spirit. So she is deflecting from the hammer power of God and say, it hurts God, don't do that. Before he uses the hammer, he separates. And he brings the hammer down on this. And the she is now accepting the right functioning of the word of God because she has already parted. You see that? You see that? It is very important that we do the separation in the church of God. That's why we have so many complaints in the body. They're saying that, no, 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 this is harsh. I can't be there. The question should be, are you together? Or you, has the word of God through his grace separated this? So in fact, for her, she'll be delighted that God is demolishing this. You see that? Now that the spirit part will say, hallelujah, I am being set free. Nothing will take me down. Gravity is no more on my spirit. I can rise up. So in separation, we push what God wants to separate, and then he sends fire. We push, he sends a hammer. When you're not separated, you're hugging what God wants to... Please. Do you see it? So the beginning of that process is the change of language. Do you call I the entire part of you, or do you call I your spirit man? When you start changing that language, you say that, God, would you do something about this? <laughs> Come on. It is always embarrassing me, God. I want to rise up and pulls me down. Would you do prayer changes, functioning changes in the church of God because of the separation? The first thing that comes is change of language. The second thing, because of change of language, like I said, you start loving the discipline of God. Hallelujah. The church that starts loving the, the discipline of God is at the verge of mighty things of the move of the Spirit. I will repeat that. Jot this down. Lord God is my witness. I'm telling you the truth. When you start loving the discipline of God, that means to God, his, this is a guarantee that you're being uh, um, sanctified. You're willing to embrace what he has for you and pushing what he doesn't have for you. So you are on the verge of seeing miracles. Third, quickly, you have a different love of the word of God. Because it serves you as a separating power. And lastly, I'll finish with this. You become humble. You become humble. Let me give you a little nugget here before I finish, okay? This humility thing is really important in the, in the Word of God. Let me read you a couple, a couple of verses. Genesis chapter 16, the last uh, two verses, please, here. 8 to 9, quickly. Read with me. 1, 3. He said, Where have you... Stop there. He's talking, the angel is talking to Hagar. And he asked her a question. Come on, what and what? Where are you coming from? And where are you going? Where was your origination of your, your, your uh, uh, um, mission? And where is your destination? These are the two questions. Stop here. Let's jump to John and then I'll come back in. John chapter 13. 
quickly. Jesus, knowing the Father, had given all things into his hand, and that he had... You see the similarity? Okay, Jesus knowing where he came from and knowing where he's going to. Hagar being asked, where are you coming from? Where are you going to? In the case of Hagar, the angel said, go back into the same thing that you're running from. Come on, church. You see that? You, you're running out of bondage? Go back into bondage. Why? Your origination is bondage. You came from the flesh. We know that Hagar means representation of the flesh in Galatians chapter 4. So what he's saying is that if your origination is the flesh, then you end up in the flesh. Then pride will be your destination. For Jesus Christ, his origination was in the spirit. He's going back into the spirit. So what did he do? He grabbed water, kneeled down, start washing the feet of the disciples. <sighs> Lord, help us. There are those of you who are struggling to be humble. In marriages, with your children, you're struggling to be humble. And you get mad later on at yourself. Why? Why am I not humble? Why do words of others bother me? It's very important. When the word of God separates that, and your origination becomes from the spirit, and your destination becomes from the spirit man, it doesn't bother you when others insult you. It doesn't bother you how others treat you. In the spirit, you are endowed in, in, in wearing the beauty of the spirit. It doesn't matter. So in the church, we are trying to foster this humility by just telling people how to behave. Have you, have you heard about the little boy that the teacher put him in the corner and said, you, you will stand there until you repent. You know, kneel in the corner, and then she, she said that you are going to kneel there until you repent. And he didn't do anything. He just knelt there. And in a little while, she asked him, are, are you repentant there? And, and he said to the teacher, no, I'm standing inside. You see that? Our humility is something that we do. It is not something that is originated from inside. When we are dressed in inhumanity, This is the environment of grace. The second door allows you, takes you to that level where you are the projection of the reality of God. Wherever you are. As you go back to your workplace, in your marriages, I'm going to take a, a few times even tonight, this afternoon here, for healing to take place in our hearts. Okay? Relationships damaged because of this identity that we don't want to submit under the grace of God. We feel that we've been cheated. We've been, we feel that people have not treated us well. Don't worry about what they have done. Look in and answer the question, where have you come from? Where are you going? Church, where have you come from? Where are you going? When that thing is straight, I don't care submitting to my wife. I don't care having that humble spirit inside me.
because God is the one who's doing the work. Are you here tonight? Okay, before I finish, we're going through these two smaller doors. Okay, I want you to bend down a little bit. Come on, show me, show me a little. Just bend down. You're getting down through the door. That's the work of God. Okay, you're coming down. Take the, the metaphor into, into your spirit and start praying. Lord, take me down under those two doors. That's how I become your follower. Carrying the cross is that. Bowing down so you can fit under the door. Eyes closed. This is a perfect time to deal with what's going on in your life. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you today. I thank you for the separating power of the word of God. If you need forgiveness, deal with it. Don't miss this precious opportunity right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For some of you, God is showing me mountains in your heart. That's in the way of your relationship. That's in the way of your <clears throat> raising your children. But if you make a decision, those mountains can go. Where have you come from? Where are you going? I want to finish with this. But again, I, because of lack of time, I don't want to process this in much longer than this. But at the same time, if you really truly believe that you have confirmed where you came from and where you're going, you'll be released from this. And the fruit of your, your being released will show to the body. If you, if you need to ask for forgiveness, do so today. If you need to let somebody know how God has shaped you, do so. Lord, we thank you. As eyes closed, heads down, if God has spoken to you, show me your hands, please. Personal messages, please. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God, for doing, for doing some work here. Thank you. If you're willing to fix something, again, hands down, if you're willing, based on what you've learned here, to fix something, the Holy Spirit is asking you to take another step. Show me your hands, please. God bless you, God bless you. A lot of you here, thank you. Appreciate that. We know that God is working. Father, we thank you. Thank you for counting us worthy to speak your word to us. Thank you for dividing between spirit and soul. Between joints and marrow. Thoughts and ideas. Lord, we thank you and we allow you, we want you to continue to do so from this pulpit. The fire of the word will be released. The hammer, Lord, will be all the time that your people get together will be released. Lord, there will be a demolishing process of the work of the flesh that we rise up as a body that is uh, uh, pleasing to you in the spirit realm. 
Lord, we come against every demonic spirit, every work, every scheme of the enemy that wants to keep us in the flesh, keep us uh, uh, jointed together what you want to divide. I come against those spirits, Lord, the, the, the demonic assignment to this church. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we are overcomers. And as we go out throughout the week, that we will continuously be immersed in the center of your word. We love you and we thank you. May the Lord guide you and keep you. May the Lord shine your face to you and be close to you, leads you to the mountaintop experience. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Give him, give him glory. Come on.